ni sambul vinakana turankin marama na varbokin ngono elewa oni sematikuma na salani monalibaliba kinaka kamburaki bakayotoriti ko yani ngo sengatangan ngono da biorin to yerna turankin marama mbalena santolu kumpuna burmasanga kinamatani to veo kanun to vata tulosaka Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Cruz Vandre and welcome once again to another episode of the Everyday PGN's podcast, where the Everyday PGN shares the everyday story in the everyday world. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to apologize uh, for last week. Unfortunately, there was no, um, there was no um, publication of a new episode. Uh, the reason being was that I was just caught up in uni studies and work and other things as well, so... I thought to myself, well, for this week, I got to put up something, um, and that something is just in regards to uh, women participating in, especially in the world wars, World War One and World War Two. Uh, the article was um, written was published by the Fiji Times, so special shout out to them. Um, I'm always thankful for articles, whether it be Fiji Sun, I mean, sorry, Fiji Times, Fiji Sun, or any other sources of media that showcases Fijian history or Fijian people that are succeeding or achieving very well in their chosen field. But in saying that, um, I just want to say thank you once again to all our listeners. Uh, thank you once again to see people leaving five-star ratings, uh, reviews. Um, it means a lot to see um, where the Fijian uh, Everyday Fijians podcast is going. Uh, on top of that as well, I just want to, um, I just, I'm just real thankful. I'm just real thankful to see, um, you know, how far the podcast has come. Um, it's amazing that in August will be two years uh, since the, um, you know, since we started this podcast, I believe. But in saying that, I do hope that you enjoy this next episode, uh, this, um, this, sorry, this new episode, sorry, um, article that I read off the Fiji Times on on women participating in world war one and world wars so it's just a short one but i do hope you take something out of it and you learn something new every day especially in regards to history so once again i'm your host chris Landry, and i do hope that you get into joy this podcast of the everyday pigeons where the everyday pigeon shares the everyday story in the everyday world minaka enjoy The article I read from the Fiji Times is simply titled Discovering Fiji, Women Who Defended Fiji in World Wars. The article was published by Mr. John Mitchell on the 9th of May 2021 at 10 p.m. The article starts off with men were not the only ones who defended Fiji's borders during World War I and World War II. Women also played a role, not so much in combat, but in other safe, safer, less active roles. War history records contend it was not until late 1940 that a Women's War Service Auxiliary, or abbreviated WWSA, was formed in this part of the world to coordinate women's employment and deployment during World War II. In New Zealand, this led to the formation of a female auxiliary service. New Zealand's women's engagement in the war allowed their men hundreds of whom were in Fiji to do other active service and work in essential industries. Hence, the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps was officially established in July 1942 under the command of Vida Jowett. The initial plan was to have 10,000 women under the WAA. In January 1943, a WAF party was dispatched to Fiji. But women from Fiji had first participated in the war at the outbreak of World War I in 1914. 
Now, in 2014, during the launch of an exhibition marking the 100th anniversary of World War I, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Ratu Ipeli Nalatikau, confirmed that women were an important part of the war effort. At the outbreak of that war, the Fiji Defence Force was formed for the sole purpose of defending Fiji from potential attack by German forces. Bear in mind in World War I, prior to World War I, that's when the German Empire had certain territories around, you know, probably around the world, but most particularly, you know, Samoa, which is back called back then German Samoa. Anyway, carrying on. Initially, the for- this force was restric- restricted to people of European descent, but by 1917, the FDF, FDF was made of four homogeneous platoons. Two for Europeans, one for part Europeans, and one for Itaoke. Bearing in mind, Ratu Sakuna was therefore couldn't enlist in the, how can I say, couldn't enlist in the British Army because of the colour policy they have. But also on top of that, that's where he went into the French, French Legionnaires. Moving on, the Fiji Defence Force was also included, also included a band, a machine gun section, a signal section and a motorcycle section, Ratupeli said. The local force also expected, accepted women who joined as volunteer nurses and also recruited women as members of the girls' Maxim Gun Squad. In one of the late Dr. Tercia Teiwa's findings on Sotia Yelewa, Fiji's women soldiers from 1914 to 2008, she noted that during World War I, white women were given the first chance to engage in battle. Dr. Tiwa said in 1914, women, women in Fiji were recruited to be part of the ladies' machine gun cops. Their job was to operate machine guns and serve as nurses. She said in 1941, things changed. Women from New Zealand the Women Auxiliary Air Force, or the WWAF, were deployed to Fiji as teleport or operators. It was not until 1961 that 12 Fijian women made history when they were recruited into the British Army. The first 1943 WAAF party sent, Fiji, sent to Fiji had 19 members. They were shorthand typists, clerks, drivers and equipment assistants. Later, stronger emphasis was placed on signals duties and WWF wireless operators, telephone and teleprinter operators, and cipher officers formed a substantial proportion of the 77 airwomen who served overseas at the time of the greatest expansion, said Victory University of Wellington's electronic text collection. Others served as meteorological observers and medical orderlies. In Fiji, the women's military service was entitled to 18 months, but usually this day lasted up to a year. Later, contracts were further reduced to nine months. This gave the WWF members an opportunity to get work experience overseas. In the war book, Lothala Bay author B. Dawson said the first contingent of WWFs lived in what had previously been a government house for cable staff families. The building was located opposite the black the back gates of the government house. It had a runaround veranda where the WWF um, slept. Because of its proximity to the governor's residence, the women were often invited to play squash and use the swimming pool. By 1944, the WWF moved to Bay. Here, cipher officers slept in a row of cabins near the office. 
Now, you know, Bethwood recalls while in Valvala Bay that she stated, I shared a basic two-roomed cabin with wooden shutters rather than windows. The wardrobes, dressing tables and beds were all shrouded in khaki, cotton, open with mosquito nets. It was a relatively luxurious life. As much as as much of the drudgery was done by house girls such as Wati, a lovely happy person who taught some of us, some of us the well-known Fijian farewell song Isale. In fact, the famous farewell song rose to become popular to become a popular melody during the war. Once it was included in an ensemble of sheet music performed by the Royal New Zealand Air Force band when it toured few islands of the Pacific during World War II. Much of the WWF's relaxation time was spent in Bure, built as a sitting room. Located on the top of the hill, the women enjoyed cool breezes and the best views of Catalina flying boats floating in Laudala Bay. Dawson said due to Fiji's heat though, the women found their uniforms unsuitable for moving around before moving around and work in particular in particularly Gwen Christopher stating they sent they sent they sent us up with equipment for the tropics. Our khaki jackets were lined and had long sleeves. The working skirts were khaki and long sleeved. Once we got to Fiji, our WWF supervisor Catherine Lowe said this is totally impossible. Indian sailors in Suva were asked to make adjustments by making the sleeves short, doing away with stockings and replacing shoes with sandals. The uniform, uniforms were later changed to a blue dress with polished buttons and white flashes with New Zealand on them. They also wore white dresses for smarter occasions and felt hats. Meals were eaten in the mess with airmen on one side and the ladies on the other. Much of the food was American and some WWFs found the food largely revolting. However, when milk and fresh green vegetables arrived from New Zealand on the ship, Matua, there was excitement. There were also lots of fresh local fruits. Fortunately, there was always fruit in abundance. Local Fijians would frequently turn up at the station carrying big cane baskets full of pineapples, while Indian children sowed mangoes and brilliant green mandarins, Dawson wrote. Outdoor activities were plentiful. They included swimming, rugby, and other sports, and mountain climbing. On one weekend, the WWFs visited the chiefly island of Mbao, where they took part in the traditional feast of Loverford. Sometimes they visited Nukulau Island. Many jobs undertaken by the WWF needed thorough training. It took three months to qualify as an instrument repairer, a job demanding special aptitude. One of the most thorough of all courses was that taken by members of the WWF, WWAF running marine crafts. Their seamanship course included methods of salvaging marine craft, beaching them for repairs and laying and picking up temporary moorings for aircraft, sweeping for lost torpedoes and the knowledge of the rule of the road in narrow or thronged channels. They also had to learn visual signaling, first aid and artificial respiration and pass a special test swimming 50 yards in all their clothes. One of the greatest adventures that the WWFs took part in was the attending 
one of their colleagues' wedding. According to Dawson, Joan, Joan Roberry had been in Fiji for only four, to four or five months when some post office lads dropped into the meteorological office in order to see where the messages they were sending out by Morse originated. One week later, one of the men asked Joan out on a date. She later got married to Bob, Bob Mac, the speaker of Isa, at the Holy Trinity Church in Suva. In 1961, over a decade after the last WWF member left Fiji at the end of World War II, 12 women made a name for themselves when they became the first batch of locals to be recruited into the British Army. They were given the name the Sunshine Squad by the London newspaper Daily Mirror back in 1961 after they touched down in England. It was an exciting prospect and a daunting task as the young women tried to adapt to the cold winter and the media fascination with them. Australian author David Toe in his book The 212 or 212 Soldiers for the Queen, Fijians in the British Army in 1961-1997 said the women did not get their three-year contract in the army renewed. Some served between one and two years in the army and returned to Fiji, while others served and later married and settled in England, Australia and New Zealand. The women's recruitment was met with opposition and racism of the time. The then director of WRAC, Brigadier Dame Jean Robert Drake, wrote a confidential memorandum to the Director of Recruiting, Major General J.E.L. Morris, on August 28, 1961. States, I am under the impression that that they'll be jet black and woolly haired, and I feel most strongly these women will present considerably more problems to us than the coffee-coloured Seychelles, the memorandum read. Wow, that's a probably borderline pro-race, but race is there, man. Stating moving on, if the worst happens and we are told at the highest level, we must consider women from Fiji, I feel, we must insist that the numbers be very restricted. Some of the women enjoyed their brief stint, while some did not like the constant attention. According to Edwina Jameson, one of the 12 women, the British Army saw them as exotic and needed special food assuming that they were not familiar with Western food, and they were made to dance the hula. But in saying that, the 12 women, the first 12 women were Muniwai Brooks, Laurel Roberta Bentley, later Harper, Tausia Vakoyawa, later Sabu, Edwina Caroline Eyre, later Jameson, Betty Rowling Foster, later Hanson, Victoria Grant, Later Partridge, Emma Olive Heffernan, later Grant, Louis, Louisa Peckham, later Baldwin, Doreen Peterson, later Wilkes, Lillian Price, later Miller, Vani Sivoki, and Wadiseva Tambua. Not many women from Fiji serve as officers of the Republic of Fiji Military Forces, Prison, Fire, Authority, Police, and Navy. Gone is the days when the military and the disciplined force was a men's world. And by the editor, history being the subject it is, a group's version of events may not be the same as it held by another group. 
When publishing one account, it is not our intention to cause division or to disrespect other oral traditions. Those of a different version can contact us, that's the Fiji Times, so we can publish your account of history too, by the editor. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the article based on on, Fiji, on women who defended Fiji in the world wars. So instead of that, the names I mentioned are 12, and if there's any other names that you may know that served during World War One, World War Two, you're more than welcome to leave it in the comment section when I do post this on the Fiji history page. But also on top of that as well, I do commend and I do take this time as well to honour the women that defended Fiji during those world wars, whether it be World War One, whether it be World War Two, and to also acknowledge the services in the past. Of course, when it comes to any wars, whether it be these two major wars, or wars that are you know after World War One or World War Two, that every person you know must be in a way honoured because they took up the arms. You know, they took up the call to defend their country, to defend the nation. And it's wonderful to see that, you know, Fijians are still carrying that on and still continue that on. So to our listeners that are based in Europe, if you're serving in the British Army, I just want to say, I just want to say a big thank you. Just acknowledge of your services, not only just for the males, but also the females as well. I know I've been honoured to post some of the um, some of those that uh, that were graduated especially in britain or in england sorry or you know one of those uh you know one of the nations there in regards to your army training so i just want to say thank you and even though you're part of another foreign a foreign army but still you know you carry your you know you carry your fijian name you carry your fijian roots and ladies and gentlemen that is for the article for this week and thank you, Fiji Times, on Discovering Fiji, Women Who Defended Fiji in World Wars. I am your host, Makali Cruz Dandri. I know it's just a short episode for this week. But please be in touch when we do get back into interviewing more, more everyday Fijians um, in this season. But as well, I do apologize for the late publish, as I've been busy with uni. And it's just thought to myself that this article was a way to bring forth something for the listener to listen, especially where women were also part of the Army Corps, especially during World War One, World War Two. Once again, stay safe and stay tuned for the next episode of the Everyday Fijians, where the Everyday Fijian shares the everyday story in the everyday world. Minaga nisa mo there.